All right, welcome. I'm glad to see you guys. It's been, uh, I, I always en- enjoy the time with my family and, you know, getting a couple weeks uh, away from things is always a good thing, but I always miss uh, this time and I'm happy to be back. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, I, it, this, it feels a little different this year than, than oftentimes for this first Sunday after Christmas break, after New Year's and all that. I tend to, I tend to hit the ground running at this point. Like I, I get those couple weeks off, I get whatever head cold I get every year and then I get past it. And then I'm like ready to start work and I'm, I've got resolutions and I've got I just kind of come guns a blazing. I'm, I'm ready for the new year. And, uh, and this year's just, it's like a little bit different. Uh, I'm finding, and I don't, this may just be me, I'm not trying to prescribe anything for anyone else. Um, and I'm not sure where it's coming from. I don't know if it's, you know, the last couple months were uh, interesting health-wise and some other ways uh, for me and some other things or, or what it is exactly. Or I'm just getting old and I'm becoming a curmudgeon. I don't know. But uh, I'm finding myself like I'm feeling more cautious than normal, uh, a little bit like kind of waiting for the other shoe to fall. Or, I don't know what it is. I just I don't feel quite as, you know, just gung-ho optimistic as always. I'm not, in a, I'm not in a bad mood. I'm not here for doom and gloom or anything. But uh, that's just kind of how, like, I, I feel like the way you felt, uh, or the way I felt anyways, maybe you were smart and didn't have this, but uh, if I knew like a big exam was coming and it was like, that kind of weight of like, okay, I got I to gotta be ready for this. That's kind of, for some reason, that's how I'm entering into this year. I think in part it's because it's a presidential election year. I'll be honest. This is, it already has come up before, and it'll come up a lot this year because I think it's going to be a big cultural moment for us to make some decisions about who we are going to be and not going to be as Christians in general and here, us specifically, for me personally. Um, again, or maybe I'm just getting old and pessimistic, but uh, I, I've got this kind of uh, cautiousness uh, t- today. And for that reason, I'm, I'm honestly very glad about the passage. It's not a passage. I don't know that I've ever preached this passage specifically. It comes up every three years. It's usually uh, right at Christ, the Sunday after Christmas, and a lot of times we are not meeting on that Sunday. We didn't meet on this Sunday this year, but I just went back, you know, because I'm a rebel. I went back and I stole last week's passage, and that's what I'm going to preach on this week because it's what was really kind of speaking to me. And so this is uh, one of the very few stories we have of Jesus as a child. Uh, you know, pretty most of Scripture is like Jesus being born and then Jesus 30-ish or something, right? And 90% of Jesus' life is unknown, which is a sermon in and of itself. We won't get into like that, you know, even God incarnate had 90% of his life undocumented in common time, as we say, which should make you feel a little bit better about your life, um, as it does make me feel better about mine. But this is one of those few stories we have of when Jesus was, was very small, an infant. And uh, so it's in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40, and... Um, there's two characters, Simeon and Anna, who we only see here, and I don't know, it, it just it stuck with me for some week, reason this week, and so we're off the lectionary. I'm sorry, we're one week off. We'll, we'll get back on board soon, but let's, uh, let's read this gospel passage together and, and consider uh, this newborn baby that everyone is encountering in this part of Luke. It says this uh, in uh, verse 22 of chapter 2 of Luke, <clears throat> when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses... They brought him, that's the baby Jesus, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout. He looked forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. 
It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought in this child, the child Jesus, to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and for the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Fanuel. Fanuel is probably not Fanuel. Fanuel, I think I said. Fanuel sounds a little more uh, Latin, I think, than probably was present in Jerusalem at the time. Uh, <laughs> Fanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer, night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The word of God in Scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. I really love this scene. It's, it's, laid, it's written beautifully. It paints this beautiful picture. I love this scene of Simeon and Anna just fawning over this baby. Right? These two senior adults who are righteous and sincere, the kind of people who just keep showing up, keep doing the right thing day after day, year after year, even when no one notices them or knows what they're doing. Right? They have kept the faith. And they've kept the faith in spite of all the heartbreak and difficulty that life has thrown their way. Right? Simeon wants nothing more than Israel's consolation, to see God finally rescue Israel as they've been crying out for. His whole life he's waited for this, and it hasn't come. It's literally the one thing he's waiting on to die. And then Anna, who's only married for seven years and then spent the rest of her long life widowed, spending every day inside the temple, praying, fasting. Right? Both of these characters who had every reason to be cautious or sad or pessimistic, much like I confess to kind of feeling right now, every reason not to be hopeful, right? Consolation never seemed to be arriving, even though it has been promised for generations. Life was unkind and unnecessarily cruel. Yet both somehow kept the faith. Both maintained an openness to God's goodness, enough of an openness that they didn't miss the baby Jesus when the baby Jesus rolled through. And remember, most people missed it, right? That to me is one of the most amazing kind of ideas. If you believe that God came in the flesh in the form of Jesus and walked around this earth for 33 years, how the vast majority of people who would have passed by or spoken to or interacted with Jesus never had any clue. Easy to miss, but they didn't 
miss it. They were open to God's goodness. They continued to seek God's presence and goodness even when it seemed pointless or like it would never come. And maybe that could be the first takeaway tonight, right? To just keep on keeping on, to never stop looking for the right things. Even when it becomes way more easy to spot everything negative and awful in this world as it is, keep looking for those small manifestations of God's love in the world, right? Don't miss the baby. That could be the first point of the sermon tonight. Don't miss the baby. Again, many missed it. And you can understand it. There's nothing more common than a baby. I would argue probably 100% of you were a baby at one point in your life. Arguably the most common thing there is. Yet even though it's the most common thing, there's just something magical about a baby too, isn't there? I mean, what better argument is there for keeping the faith than a new life? They just kind of come around and mess everything up in the best sorts of ways, right? There may not be a more powerful thing in the world than those pudgy, fleshy little babies when they show up. Ten years ago, we welcomed Lillian into this world. Uh, last night, we had six ten-year-olds in our house at the same time. So my life almost ended ten years to the date <laughs> after my daughter was brought into this world. We'd been married ten years. I was prepared as someone can be prepared to become a parent, all those things, but nothing quite prepares you, Right? I know that I experienced everything at once 10 years ago when that impossibly small kid showed up in this world. There was joy and there was fear, right? There was everything all at once. There was joy and there was clarity and there was a profound sense of purity and goodness all happening at the same time. But it wasn't all fuzzy and warm. I also felt vulnerable and insignificant, right, in ways that I never had. Uh, I also felt, I've tried to explain this to people, I felt what I consider to be uh, judgment, which I know is a weird use of that word because we tend to think of like one person casting aspersions at another or announcing someone as guilty as judgment, uh, and she wouldn't do that for years still to me. Now, now it's, a, it's a daily uh, thing that happens, but it was just more like I felt exposed in a way. Like the lights got turned on a new way. Like, I, I, like there was no denying who I was and who I wasn't and what was in front of me. It just kind of told the truth about me in a way that nothing had. And honestly, that's what I believe judgment really is, getting the lights sincerely turned on, right? That's what's going to happen when all is said and done with God, I believe. So in that sense, I, I felt kind of small and unworthy and repentant, if I'm allowed to say that. And I felt grateful and I felt good and I felt amazing. I felt all these things at once were happening, right? All at this one moment, I felt small and big and unworthy and up to the task. There's something magical about a baby. I've experienced nothing quite like that in my life. And I think maybe that's part of the strategic reason why God decided to become incarnate in the first place. A baby holds a certain kind of power that nothing else does. I really loved this quote uh, that I read by James C. Howell this week. I think I put it on the slide, but I'm not positive. The quote from Mr. Howell says this, Jesus was just a baby, and this is God's shrewdest device. As Luther put it, God became small for us in Christ. He showed us his heart so our hearts might be one. 
Infants wield a kind of power. Muscular men with calloused hands become gentle as pillows when handed a baby. Potent people with gruff voices adopt a falsetto and coo to an infant. God came down, not to thrash evildoers or crush the Romans, but as an infant, to elicit love, to nurture tenderness. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? And this brings me to the second reminder, I think. Not just don't miss the baby, as we talked about them doing earlier, but the second thing I cautiously, uh, as I enter this year, cautiously want to keep in front of me. To remember not just that God is faithful and worthy of hope. I don't want to just uh, you know, get lost and miss the baby altogether. But I also want to never forget the means by which God's hope and salvation arrive in this world. I, want to just, I don't want to miss the baby, but I also want to remember the baby. Remember the means by which God's hope arrived in this world. On the liturgical calendar, this Sunday is known as Epiphany. Different strands of Christianity uh, celebrate this in different ways, if it's Eastern or Western or whatever. Uh, some celebrate John, uh, Jesus' baptism on this day. Some the, the visit of the three magi, the three kings. That's where king's cake comes from, one of God's great gifts to the Christian world. But Despite these different ways of, of Christianity kind of celebrating it, in the broadest sense, epiphany means the manifestation or the realization of something true in nature. Again, kind of having the lights turned on, right? And that's certainly what we are talking about in the infant Christ that both Simeon and Anna are celebrating in these verses. Suddenly, in this moment, in this child, the true nature, the true fullness and love and character of God are made manifest, are realized in a new way. God, who God is and how God will save, all coming to being in this baby. Kingdoms will rise and kingdoms will fall because of this child. The incarnate Christ child will help us see the truth of God and ourselves, right? It's not just about where we end up one day or what God will do one day. It's about how we get there. And we get there with the baby. We are fond of saying, the ends justify the means. In fact, you'll hear a lot of that, if not specifically, you'll see it in practice this year in a presidential election year, right? The ends justify the means. But the lesson of Christian theology and the epiphany of Christ is that the means are the ends. The medium is the message, right? The way is the truth. The way is the life. You don't get to divorce this from the way we get there. you got to remember the baby. Again, my guess is that this essential truth of Christianity is going to be challenged in every way this year during an election year. Everything is going to push us towards anger and demonization. Uh, I'm sure, I don't think there's anything in our culture that pushes us more towards the ends justify the means kind of thinking than our national politics because they are the enemy. They threaten everything that matters. Whatever we have to do to them to beat them is justified. And we will end up rationalizing just about anything we need to do, and oftentimes then blessing it in Jesus' name afterwards, which I'm sure he loves. <clears throat> but we must hold this in front of us this year and every year. Everything is at stake if we don't remember the baby. We do not believe that the ends justify the means. 
We believe the means are the ends. If we lose the way, then we lose the destination. We're not called to effectiveness. We're not even called to win anything. We are called to faithfulness. We are called to follow the Christ child. Faithfulness to the means by which God chooses to topple kingdoms and redeem what is broken. We are called to remember why the baby is there in the first place. When I first moved here, I was unfamiliar with Mardi Gras, unfamiliar with most Louisiana culture, which is what I associate now king cake with, even though it's a much larger uh, idea than that. That's kind of what it goes with, right? And I'd only, I hadn't been here very long, and I worked in an office with a bunch of folks, and someone brought a king cake and put it in the common area for everyone to try. I'd never heard of a king cake before, never had a king cake before. I just knew it was dessert adjacent, and so I was in. Cut off a giant piece, thoroughly enjoying this king cake. It was delicious. And I sat alone in my office, probably too quickly, devouring my piece of king cake until crunch. Something like pierced my gum, almost broke my tooth, and I could not make sense of what was happening. And I rolled it around in my mouth, and I ended up spitting it out. And there in my hand, with some chewed up king cake, was a plastic baby. Now, if you have no context whatsoever, that is a bizarre moment in your life. I could make no sense of what was happening in that moment. The baby did not belong there, right? And I remember setting it on my desk and sitting there and looking at it and thinking, what could have happened in the factory? (laughs) And I'm good at problem solving, so I came up with the next way. This is what I came up with. This is how smart I am. I said, I think this is some kind of like pro-life thing where people have gone around and taken... Because I grew up in a church where we used to hand out those little things as part of their kind of anti-abortion. Right? Oh, this is like some kind of activism, and I just bit into it. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to hear about it on the news or something. Right? I mean, that, that's where my mind went. That's how little I had of understanding of what was going on. And then about 15 minutes later, a coworker walked by and came in and asked me a question and then looked at the disgusting half-covered and cake, half-chewed baby on the table and said, oh, you got the baby. And I was like, What? baby. He's like, you got the baby. I was like, it's supposed to be in there? Yeah. And And then they had to explain the whole thing to me, right? (laughs) Because the baby just didn't fit. And I feel feel much like King Cake here on Epiphany. It it, it works really well because the baby just doesn't fit in our world, right? This is not how we win. This is not how we get what we want. This is not how you accomplish big and important things in the world. You avoid vulnerability. You avoid sacrifice, right? You conquer. You don't hang on a cross. We've got to remember the baby. It's out of context. It doesn't make sense if you don't know the rest of the story. But it's there for a reason. That baby, Jesus Christ, laying in that manger, held in the hands of those faithful uh, faithful followers of God in that moment. That baby is the point of it all. God's power does not look like our power. God's love does not look like our love. God's victory comes through vulnerable, sacrificial love. Humility and grace and love are the means to an end. And this is our high calling 
in a low-down world. It's not an easy calling. Vulnerable love can be absolutely devastating, right? Mary is told it will be like a sword in her own soul, and you can only imagine what she goes through in the next 30 years. It's against our own instincts. It's hard to choose, but it is, according to our faith, the way. So don't forget the baby. The medium is the message. The means are the ends. And may we hold on to the posture that Simeon and Anna held before us. We even after a lifetime of frustration and disappointment managed not to miss the Christ child. The ones who understood that all the power and goodness that they had anticipated their entire lives was wrapped up in this one little baby. The bent but not broken believers who held the child in their arms and saw God for who God really was and then went to their own graves convinced of God's goodness, working its way through every dark corner of this world by the means of small, vulnerable, sacrificial love. Remember the baby. He seems out of place, but he's the whole reason we're here. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for the good news that your love is not like our love. That your power does not manifest the way we believe power should be manifested. That you are a God who wins by loses. You are a God who um, conquers by laying yourself down at the feet of your enemies. That Lord, in that small, vulnerable child, we see the wholeness of who God is and what God would have for us. So God, we ask at the beginning of this year that we might always keep that way in mind. That we may never fall for the lie that the ends justify some other means. That we can build your kingdom with someone else's tools. Lord, may we never forget that in the incarnation when we see God show up in flesh in that baby, that you eliminated all distance between the ways and the means. That the medium is the message, that the way is the truth, that the way is the life. May we keep that ever before us. God, we do love you so much. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.